Greetings, nerds. This is Sandin Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing good. You know, good. it's February. We're one yeah. month in. <laughs> yes, we are. Happy, happy February, and a happy, happy birthday month. Yeah, yeah. it is. We're we're one month in, and um, yeah, we have one news headline. <laughs> Well, happened. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's just like it was one of those things where I was just like, yeah, really nothing. There's really only one thing that seems of really real consequence, at least. There's a lot of just rumor has it, and so you know, and 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 all that, and 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 the item that we're about to get into was, was in that space for a bit, and that's why we just really didn't talk about it till, as you said. Until we got something confirmed, which we got confirmed this week. Yeah, we got confirmed that Millie Alcock is officially cast as Supergirl in the new DCU. So it says the new DCU, so we we don't know what movie she'll be in? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I know a lot. there's been a lot of speculation that she was, that she, you know, because of the fast-tracking of getting her cast even before the Supergirl movie even has a director. <laughs> they do have a writer, and it is being written right now, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. But the, no director has been hired to to uh, direct this film. So, of course, the, all the speculation is she's going to show up in Superman Legacy, which is going into production in Atlanta, I think, either this month. I think next month. I think next month. Yeah. But, and um, and yeah. I was just going to say, for those, because... I, I'm sure at one point you mentioned her name, but oh. um, it really took me seeing a picture of her to be like, oh, I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> and Billy Alcock played um, young, what was her name? Renera. Renera in House of the Dragon. So so she she's the one who as soon as like we hit that midpoint where the older Renera came in everyone was like well we really love the young Renera. Yeah. <laughs> we did um, and then by the end of it you're like oh we just love Renera. <laughs> yeah <laughs> love exactly Renera. exactly um, but but interestingly enough that's what um you know two things about her being Renera and house of the dragon that was really what sparked James Gunn's interest in her as an actress and potentially he he noted that uh, whenever he was watching House of the Dragon uh, and was thinking uh, uh, this was like a year before he even you know got on board he with the with DC he 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 reached out to Peter Safran his um, co-head of the new studio and said we need to get her if we ever do you know if they ever do Supergirl uh, yeah. because you know she had because of the way and if you haven't watched house of the dragon um even you know don't let the fact that you didn't watch game of thrones uh keep you from doing so because i was in that camp i did not watch game of thrones but you're able to jump right into house of the dragon if you really want to see her work uh and 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 she has that vibe that james gunn was saying that he was really looking for as far as from the tom king woman of tomorrow series and the comic books as far as just you know she's seen some shit she's been on earth for a long time uh you know but she but she was you know she's clark's cousin yeah Hmm? does this mean that she and clark are gonna get together well that's just the speculation the cousins and uh, one from house of dragon that's not (laughs) 
Yeah. Like, oh, oh God. We, yeah. God, we hope we don't. I hope we don't pull a demon here. But. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh gosh, where are you? Where are you taking us, Sarah? Uh, you know, it it yeah. makes all the sense in the world because I I mean I'm surprised that it's taken this long. I'm sure she's been in other things, but I haven't really heard her of any heard heard about her since House of the Dragon. So I which is shocking, but granted, Hollywood is such a mess these days with with dates and everything that potentially some projects she was in since filming wrapped for her um, are gonna come out this year. But I'm I'm just glad that we're gonna see her in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I was going to note um, about whether or not she's going to be a legacy, I know James Gunn did, a fan did ask, and, and since he is very active on threads now, he used to be on Twitter, but he's pretty much pretty much answering stuff over on threads these days, um, whether or not she was, if she's going to be in legacy. And he was like, I never said she was going to be in the movie, which gives himself plausible deniability, you know, if she doesn't show up. But if she does, but he may be holding his cars close to his vest and saying, you know, and not confirming anything about her being in the film. Um, so we'll see what happens. But it is interesting that he's pulling the, he's almost, he, he's taking a card from Kevin Feige in the sense that, uh, you know, he's casting people beyond before directors are even assigned to projects. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, but yeah, I, I, you know, and I know a lot of I know some fans who the other actress who was in contention for the role, uh, Meg Donnelly, I believe her name was. She did the voice work for um, Supergirl and and the DC animated project. So a lot of people were really hoping that she would get it. But you know, honestly, voice actors moving over to live action is the exception, not the rule. I mean, there's you know, there's been an, I guess one of the most high profile ones I can think of right off the top of my head is Katie Sackhoff. You know, when she did. Uh, Bo-Katan and Star Wars, but but in most cases, live action and voice folks aren't the same. So, yeah, so that's all. I have to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the the other thing that just dropped today was Netflix's big preview for what's ahead, content-wise. Which I feel like we're we're not going to go through, but. Um, because we've talked about a lot of the projects and we already knew yeah. <laughs> what was coming for them. Um, I mean, the fact I just don't understand why Bridgerton season three is broken up into three parts. I'm going to state that right here. Um, I'm I'm pretty much a casual Bridgerton fan. I've I've seen them. I've seen them, including the Charlotte spinoff one, um, which was arguably better than the first season. So. But I just, I'm very, I'm very like, why you do that? Why Netflix? Why does Netflix, okay, here's my thing. Why does Netflix take different shows and do different releasing, like, release strategies with them? I think. Because, yeah. Because we're, we're seeing this trend on Netflix of, like, the whole part one and part two of seasons. But yeah. then there's other shows where it's, like, all at once. And then there's my K-dramas that I started a new K-drama this weekend because it just started. And I can't binge it because it's they release two episodes, one on, I think, Saturday and one on Sunday. 
Okay. So it's called Dr. Slump. Um, and, and that was the same strategy that my demon had to the release schedule as well. So I just, I find it very odd how there's, there's lack of consistency going on here. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that they're, they're doing it. I, I wonder, cause when you look at the shows that are doing it on, it really is sort of the, the water cooler, proverbial water cooler types of shows. Uh, as far as like Bridgerton, I know they did it with Stranger Things the prior season. Um, I they think did it probably... with you season four, but yeah. I don't view you season four as a water cooler show. Yeah, but maybe this in their metrics. I mean, now I know they're since the strike, I know they're a little bit more transparent in their numbers. I mean, you know, they did it with the crown too, uh, where they broke it up. Yeah. Um, Maybe they're just trying to create create a little bit of um, space so that they can get people, um, you know, make it buzzworthy so they can spread out the buzz for a little bit. Maybe well, just their, their, maybe their metrics are showing that maybe you know with some shows it's better if we do this you know part one part two just to 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 keep it in the keep it in the zeitgeist longer. Maybe, but I do know. A lot of fans watched the first part of the final season of Crown, and then were very like dragging their feet about the second part. Yeah. Like, like I, I finally got bored one day, and I put it on, and I finished it, and I skipped a whole shit ton. I think I skipped an entire episode because I'm like, I don't care. Um. So I think that, to your point, yeah. If you have a really good cliffhanger, Stranger Things mm-hmm. worked. Yeah. And we needed a break at that yeah. point. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but these other shows, it makes no sense to me. It's a binge show. Like, the, you you really have to understand the product. And But whatever, I'm going to stop there. Um, the other thing that... Will was telling me about that he wanted to talk about. I didn't want to talk um, about it. <laughs> well, well, you just casually mentioned it, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, it was okay. this conversation piece. It was conversation piece. But anyway, go, pr- proceed, pr- proceed, proceed, proceed. <laughs> Will did extra credit this week and put on in the background the season premiere of Vanderpump Rules. Will, what were your thoughts? Oh boy, so Vanderpump Rules. This was uh, something that. Uh, I dipped my toe in last season of um, the show um, and last year when you were talking, you know, obviously this whole Sandoval thing, uh, which is one of the characters, on one of the people on this reality show for folks who, um, I mean, I'm sure most people probably know Vanderpump, so I don't have to do too much preamble there. But um, yeah, so, you know, sort of fallout from all of that, uh, even though, wow. You know, it was kind of it was kind of like I don't say anticlimactic. It was more like it was there was already been like one epilogue to the whole scandal ish situations. So I feel like this was like an epilogue to an epilogue <laughs> in right. some regards. Um, you know, just sort of sort of set the table where everybody's at as far as where they are in their life. I mean, there's the whole you know, Tom and, um, you know, you know, Tom's 
where how impact from the scandal uh, has impacted the restaurant and um, all, you know, all the friend groups are, you know, how where everybody is at this point as far as like Tom and uh, what's, what's this, uh, not Ariana, er, yeah, Tom and Ariana, um, they're still together in the house, but it's weird to have the, you know, it's just a lot of this things going on there that, um, you know, you just you know, just like the best things in reality TV, it, it set it set things up and and it just sucks you back in. And um, I know you were telling me while we were just chatting before the show, you were listening to a podcast about uh, one of uh, Tom's. Um, uh, I guess part. Uh, I guess he was was he a producer on the Special Forces show that Tom was on on Fox, or was he? Just a, oh, he was a contestant. Contestant, okay, yeah, contestant. Anyway, yeah. I'll I'll explain more about what what yeah. that is. Um, but yeah. I want to share my thoughts on the premiere of Vanderpump Rules as well. So I agree with you. I I I don't agree that I wouldn't explain. I wouldn't describe it as an epilogue. I think that it was an appetizer where <laughs> where they the editors and the producers really had to make sure that the audience understood how close this was shot to the reunion because we're sitting here in february like okay we're over it moving on but season this season was shot mere months after everything unfolded and everything wrapped so there's there's a lot that these people these real life people still are digesting and understanding and coming to terms with. So I I I understand why why it felt very much like previously on. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are now and but we're not and and it just so happened Tom was shooting special forces that's why he wasn't in the first episode at all which and the the again they made that decision to keep him out to kind of show what where these people are without him in a way um and and how they how because of his lack of presence in that episode they still are not able to fully come to terms with everything um and 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 you know i mean lala sends a text to rachel um and because she i found it very interesting that this is first time that i've seen in vanderpump rules or even in a in a housewives season where they they actually reference what occurs during the reunion yeah. <laughs> like like the the fourth wall is very much broken where yeah. it's like no guys we're we're on a show we know you know we understand but this is authentically what's going on and how we're behaving and so everything that happened during the reunion watching it back as a viewer i have they it lo- it sounds like lala had some regrets about how she handled that situation um and so she was trying to make peace with that um but so so yeah and and what i was telling will before we started recording is um if people really like this show um 
they need to go and listen to Nick Viles, um, the Vile Files, and he interviews both Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz. And it is, it is just, <laughs> it's so, I can't even explain it. Like, it is the most unhinged interview I have ever seen. Um, it is fascinating, yet at the same time, exactly what I would have expected from both of them. And um, yet I was still just fascinated by the behavior and the the uh, lack of articulation and the lack of understanding what the word contradiction means. <laughs> just... Huh. Just, you know, I, I, I think it's clear when people don't actually listen to themselves. Mm. I think people make that very clear when they, I, I mean, it's one thing to say, no, you don't listen. But I, I really think people have to call out others and say, no, you're not listening to yourself right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're not hearing what you're saying because if you did you would be mortified <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's what yeah, i'll say about people, that yeah some people have definitely have a lack of self-awareness for sure yeah it's just you don't you don't listen to what you're saying or comprehending what you're doing Mm -hmm. And when people question you about it, you're automatically defensive. But the thing is about being on the defensive is you actually have to have a backbone to stand on. Yeah. And when you're not doing any of those two earlier things, then you don't have much to stand on. So it's, I think it, um, they're, Nick and his partner, Natalie, definitely are able to um, to in the most kind way point out some lies that are clearly being told <laughs> during the interview. <laughs> during the interview, and we're not talking about the affair or anything. Just things that happen you know, during this interview. It's so funny. Wow! Wow! Well, definitely have to go check that out. Yeah, it's it's long. It's a long one. Um, <laughs> All right, so that brings us to Reacher Season 2, Episode 1. We are starting this season. And we're returning to see what Reacher has been up to. And with this first episode, so I'm going to read the IMDb description. Okay. Okay. It says, <laughs> <laughs> Reacher and Nagley, Nagley investigate the murder of a member of the 110th a group of special investigators assembled by Reacher only to realize that the whole unit may be at risk. So, Will, what did you think about this, this starting episode? So, I know Alan Richardson said, stay home from work whenever it's premiered back in December. I know we're, we're starting it um, a little after the season finale, but... Um, I would say it's definitely, I enjoyed it. It's not worth losing my job over, but, <laughs> um, but it was definitely a very solid start. I'm glad we, we talked about it and I'm glad we decided to do the first three episodes tonight uh, because um, it, one of the, one of the favorite things that Reacher says is I think one of his taglines is details, uh, details matter. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I would, and I completely agree with that. And, and watching these three episodes together, which we're going to talk about tonight, uh, both little details and big, big things definitely do play on. And the series, at least to, to date, uh, builds on itself in a, in a good way. Uh, as far as just sort of, um, you know, where you have this, you know, this team of special investigators, they had present day, as far as what, what Reacher was trying to solve with his teammates. And then, you know, it flashes back to the, the one tenth, the group, how they came, got assembled and stuff. So, you know, so you had back and forth with that. Um, and, and, but the, the details do matter, um, just, and, you know, this show, it takes place two years after, at least this, yeah, two years after the events of season one. Uh, so, of course, the, the series is based off a, a series of books by author Lee Child. Uh, it's not the second, this was not the second book in the series. It's actually the 11th book that this second season is based on, uh, Bad Luck and Trouble, is the, um, was the 11th book in the, in the series. But I would say those were, you know, I, I did, it was, very enjoyable for me. I will say that st- storyline-wise, it's pretty straightforward. There were a few things that I thought were telegraphed, uh, where I was like, as I was, especially as, as I was watching the first episode, I was like, oh yeah, I'm seeing it. You know, I could. I was already like two steps ahead as far as like what was going on in the story. And it's not, and it's not a, say say that in a bad way. It's just like. You know, they were very transparent about certain pieces of the story that, where they were just sort of laying the laying the foundation for where they're going this season. What are um, you uh, talking about specifically? In the, I guess when they, when they, when the, 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 I mean, it's a very small detail, but it it was like the, the password, for example, to get into the hard drive. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, things like that. Um, you know, there, there's there's certain little points like that in the story where there's like, oh, yeah, this is what's going to happen next. Um, you know, because you know, otherwise, if they wiped the hard drive, <laughs> then we're pretty much done for a story. Um, but that being said, I mean, you know, as far as this, uh, as far as Reacher and Alan Rishon himself, the dude's too fucking big now. <laughs> I, mean, I know we're I know we're like pivoting from comic book shows to detective slash action adventure. But I feel like I was watching a comic book character because he's like, he, you don't if he ever were like cast as the Hulk, you, you wouldn't need to like do CG. I mean, he's 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 comically. He's too big. He needs to like they need to dial it back a bit. The third season because I just felt like he was just like a it cartoon really character walking around. Well, it doesn't help the size difference between him and Sean Sipos, C- who plays yeah. O'Donnell. Yeah. Um, formerly of Krypton mm-hmm. and formerly of Vampire Diaries, <laughs> um, <laughs> and formerly other uh, on like a lot of other CW shows. Like the size difference between those two care, those two just men people, yeah. is just it's jarring. And I'm not gonna lie, it takes me out of it. And I'm going to say right now. Um, while we're talking about even just the first episode, um, th- they miscast O'Donnell. Mm. I, I, and I love, I love the actor. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. He usually, I really usually like him, but he, 
the the character that O'Donnell is is supposed to be this like kind of a dick, <laughs> just yeah. a dick, which you could do very well if you had casted someone who had the body type that I mean, no one can match Alan. Like you're not gonna ma- find it perfectly. But mm-hmm. it should be it should be a little bit more level, just so that you there can be these two characters can be much more of a foil and much more of like an odd couple in a way. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it doesn't make sense to me, like yeah. how how you can have like you can still. I feel like for a character who is just a dick, mm-hmm. um, he, and I'm sorry that that's the only word I can think of at the moment, but to back it up for his douchey behavior can really stand on its own two feet in terms of like his physical threat and his, um, or intellect. And he, it, I'm just, I haven't seen it in these three episodes they make fun of him because of in the third episode for how much of a bad shot he is yeah so yeah. like i i just every i will you mentioned things being telegraphed mm-hmm. I just anytime o'donnell talks i'm like oh yeah. my god this dialogue it's not working for me i love sean but this is not he was miscast i'm sorry i'm just gonna say it was miscast Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see the physical, the physicality of it definitely um, comes into play. I was just thinking as we were as we were talking as we were talking here, I think uh, you know maybe if if Alan was more the size of when he played Hank in uh, Titans, yeah, be, yeah, yeah, because now it's not you know because even the first season he's not that he's big but he's not like like now it's just like yeah. He's but Sean is also. Like he's never been big, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I still don't know. And it's not and and Hank was a different character than Reacher. Sure. Like, yeah. yeah, Hank was actual superhero, but Hank didn't have the intellect that Reacher right. also has. So right. you're kind of you you have this uh, main character who has both the brains and the bronze. And then you have to have a team of characters. And this is why, this is going to be a strange point to make, but hear me out. This is why the female characters actually do work on this show. Yeah. Like, like both Negley and um, Dixon work perfectly fine. And I love that one is the best friend and one is the unrequited love. However, they did hook up in Atlantic City, which I thought was a bit rushed, but whatever. And then was weirdly kind of like, oh no, he's, he turned me down in the third episode. I don't know what's going on with that. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, make it make sense. But they work because they're offering different things in terms of relationships to Reacher. Mm-hmm. O'Donnell, I get it. He's supposed to be the funny man, like the douchey man, the one who thinks he's all all that, but he's really not. But it's just, it's not working for me. It's it's yeah. not. I, I and I really think it's because he was just at the end of the day miscast. 
Mm-hmm. Eldano, so that character, I won't say it doesn't work for me. I think um, I, it. I think by the third episode, I was like on board with it, uh, just to see the dynamics with the characters. Um, but when they, whenever, whenever we were going back to the first episode, and we were, you know, as I noted, the, the series used flashbacks to show how they all came together uh, to be a unit. Um, it, 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 it was like. To your point, it was, you know, we did have everybody sort of play that the various archetype of, you know, Franz is the, you know, the real dutiful one. You know, you know they kept you know, making a joke about "Don't call me sir," you know, that kind of thing with he and he and Jack. And then when we, you know, when we were introduced to O'Donnell, it's like, okay, I see where it's just going, and and of course the 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 and, and putting them in the bar fight to. Uh, it put him in the bar in the in the officers club and of course Neagley being a non-com um non-commissioned officer uh, you know to, to to do that to like you know to do that sort of team building activity you know it was just sort of like okay because i see where you know i guess like like whatever whenever he had them all put the desk together in the in the in the warehouse mm-hmm. and i knew that wasn't going to work and then of course whenever they got to the bar i was like oh i see where this is going they're right. gonna like you know stage the bar fight. So, you know, so it was like I said, the the cool thing about this show, it's yeah, it is it it it's not trying to pretend that it's something that it's not. No, I mean it's very straightforward. And I think that authenticity is about what it is and and what you're gonna get from it is what keeps me coming back to it. Mm. I think I think that it's just a very easy show to watch. Yeah. And I, it it doesn't have all of this spectacle. It's based off of a series of very popular novels. It's a character who has Tom Cruise has played, <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's also a character that Reacher in of itself is an archetype character. Um, he. And and a mix of archetypes. I mean, he's kind of yeah. like Rain Man with a, which is really huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I just, I'm not, I'm not mad at season two. Um, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. It's it's and so far it's been a nice break mm-hmm. after um, after. All of that we've watched in January, um, like, like it was a good change of pace just because it's been a while since we've stepped out of the comic book realm and just had kind of a, a thriller slash espionage kind of drama play out, which, which is funny because starting next week. We're going to continue with two episodes of Reacher and tack on an episode of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So we're we're staying in the same wheelhouse here, people, um, and just seeing seeing what happens and how these shows um, play out on Amazon. But I I just overall, I wish the writing was just a little bit stronger. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, like, I don't want this to be a difficult thing to watch by, or to make me, like, really have to think about things. But at the same time, 
I want the writing to be, I, I just need them to be a little bit smarter with the writing. And I will say, Alan, I love you. <laughs> I do. But can we get some charisma? You know, I just, I need, there. there's something about it. And, and the fact that he probably has the most lines, it's just, yeah. so when he has to do exposition, it just drives me crazy. I'm like, okay, yeah. I get it. Mm -hmm. So it's funny you mentioned about the charisma because, see, to me, that that that's the least of his problems. Um, uh, for me, I mean, the, the charisma, and it's not it's not because of the physical size. I mean, he's just just a naturally he's he's just a naturally charismatic person. Um, if anything, the the the, the over over hulking size of the character now. It kind of takes it, it, it swallows up the, the personality um, because you're just so focused on in a weird way. I know it's like, well, of course, of course, he's large and gonna take up the room, but without you know, he could still be normal sized person, and his personality is the character's personality is such that they would it will still take up the room. It's just now you just have this big ass dude who who who, who you know who has that and also has the personality with it. So, um, and, 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 and they do give like whenever there were like the moments, I think it was either first or second episode when they're sitting in the hotel room in Atlantic City and they're going through like all the things that, you know, missing the, um, you know, missing funerals and missing weddings and missing other things. And, you know, the, the look of regret that he had on his face, like on the one, you know, on, that wasn't in Atlantic City. Okay. Or was, oh, or, <laughs> I, like I said, you know, watched all three of them together, so they started to run I know, together. I know, I know. It was the first episode, and it was him and Nigley, I believe. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if O'Donnell was there, but, like, they were talking about everything that he was missing out on, and, yeah. and what did he think about that? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, but the point is, that's where, you know, I did see the, the, the emotion, the, that point where it's like, yeah, he he felt you know there 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 was that emotive nature of the character and it, and it came across as far as like that, but also, but also you know it the the series shows also that you know he was their commander and in a lot of respects he always kept them all at an arm's distance um, while they were in the service and of course now you know that carries through with his nomadic existence where you know Neagley you know, smartly uses. The ATM receipts to like let them know something's up, you know. Yeah, I think um, I think that one of the first lines of the show is talking about him and being a wanderer, and um, and I try to remember if he said that same thing at some point during the first episode. But so what's happening this season is we're seeing the wanderer get called back to his quote unquote roots mm -hmm. and and come in contact with a group of people where it was one of the few times in his life he was part of a group like mm -hmm. he like and and these people really meant something to him but when everyone went their separate ways he chose a lifestyle that would prevent him from keeping in touch with these people 
And so I think that um, they're doing a good job. Like I understand that pathos with the character. Um, and, and I'm not saying that, um, that Alan completely is losing me, but I'm just saying that majority of the time it's like, he's reading a phone book. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, you have so much exposition. Please get better at acting out the exposition because I can't. <laughs> Um, and I know exposition is really hard for actors. Um, I hear about it all the time because especially for these shows where it's like, there's like, this is an episodic, yes, there's a higher storyline, but at the end of the day, it's played out. It's structured very episodically. Yeah. And, yeah. and there is a lot of exposition that mainly Reacher gives because he's the smart one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dixon lost me in the third episode with the dates and the numbers. And I was just like, Nigley, I'm like, yeah, uh, sure. Whatever you say, I don't understand. I don't even think you understand what you just said. <laughs> okay, we're going to go with this. Uh, so, so that was all I was trying to say is that yeah. uh, overall, I understand what they're doing with Reacher this season. It makes sense. Um uh, some of uh, the writing is just, I just wish it was a little bit smarter. And I wish that Alan had a little bit like, see, I don't know. I, I, I think I also just disagree. It's not even his physicalness, like, like his size. I just, there, there's a, I'm, I'm lacking a charm. Hmm. I I don't find Reacher to be that charming. I don't think he's supposed to be a charming dude. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's. I mean, I think he he commands the room and he commands respect. I don't know if it's a. I don't know if it's a thing where he's supposed to be like. Super charmer, or. Um, Which I'm not saying that that it is either. Like. Yeah. This character, I did not write this character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, um, so I'm not saying, oh, this is how Reacher should have been in the books or anything. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm saying just as a viewer, mm -hmm. I just, for, for what I like to watch on screen, yeah. mm -hmm. my preference is that he'd be a little bit more charming. I mean, how in the hell and everybody, <laughs> when I make this statement, you know what I'm looking forward to on Amazon later this year, but it's so obvious. But how in the hell can Homelander be more charming than Reacher? Like, <laughs> it makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. And I, I think that's, like you said, I mean, if that, that, that's part of the writing um, where it's, it's, the, yeah, the dialogue can be a bit stilted. Or I don't know if still that's the right word, but it just um it it it, it yeah yeah it, it's I do I do think that he Alan has fun has the most fun playing um off of the actor who plays Guy Russo. Yeah, yeah. That's I when, think yeah. those scenes in the third episode with Guy Russo and in my opinion, remove O'Donnell. Mm -hmm. Um but that's when he actually 
I don't know. It's is there's more presence, there's more life, yeah. and there's more engagement. Yeah. And Russo's doing a really good job. And note, Russo, they even point out in the episode, huge size difference. Yeah. I don't, as a viewer, I accept it because personality-wise, dynamic-wise, it makes sense and mm-hmm. it um, is a better like clash than O'Donnell and Reacher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And maybe and maybe that's where where what I was saying just a few minutes a minute or so ago. Um, that charisma, it, it and I, maybe it's just recency bias because I did I watched the third episode yesterday. Me too. And 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 I think that's that personality because you know you're all right. I mean, I guess the first episode I was just like I I wasn't feeling it. I, I mean, I'll just be completely honest. Um I was like, okay. Um I'm feeling a little let down from this show, uh, but uh, but but then, it, like I said earlier, there were enough details and as far as things sort of happening that it it it, it piqued my interest. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna continue to go. And then and then when we got to the second episode, definitely was you know it was really more of a bridge, just sort of carry you know carry the plot forward. Things yeah. happen. It's an on board. Dixon is um, came on board in the second yeah. episode. Yeah. Who who played Medusa in Inhumans? <laughs> as soon as I saw her, I'm oh, like, I, one? Yeah, yeah. I know you, and then yeah. I had to look it up. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like you know, and I guess the villain, and I guess the thing about the first episode too, with the villain, you know, with um, uh, A.M. Yeah, A.M. and you know, I was like, you know, sort of piecing those things together, and of course, Robert Patrick showing up, and and um, you know, had the nice little nod to the Terminator with Sarah Connor there. Um, but um, I, I felt like, you know, just trying to piece all those things together as far as the the story, and and again, details do matter because those details from the first episode really come into play that third episode with the um, when they get the the, the trevor simpian or whatever i can't remember the guy's name but uh but they they pull the loops together when they when they go to new age to get the address for the guy that was looking for a job mm-hmm. and and that's when i was like oh now everything is really starting to come together so that's what i meant by details do matter and i'm also glad that i watched the the first three episodes as a bunch because otherwise i think if i just ended on the second episode i would definitely be we will be having a different conversation tonight for sure hmm. yeah i i i would agree on that where i think the third episode was the strongest out of the three which which is expected because first yeah. episode you're kind of setting up okay this is where my character is this is how he gets and this is the the uh exciting incident that kicks off this new adventure and then you got to get the team back together and that's really the second episode and then the third episode it's all right here's the plot here's what's going on we got some terrorism happening we have this mysterious this other mysterious wanderer who's the bad kind of wanderer (laughs) (laughs) using all of these aliases and um I think that AM as a as a villain is good. Mm-hmm. I um the other villain drives Langston. me crazy. Langston yeah. It's so yeah. bad. Yeah. 
Uh, he had one good scene, and I was going to put in my notes um, while watching the opening scene of the third episode, um, because that's when we actually see what happened to Franz, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because they do the flashback, and and I was going to put in my notes. Wh- why are we? We already Rachel already explained to us what actually happened to him. Yeah. We watched him fall from the the helicopter in the very opening scene of the first episode now we're going back to this yeah so so but i liked it because it's like well i'm laughing because i can't wait to see what the big guy does to you yeah that whole thing should have been the opening of the first episode i'm sorry Mm -hmm. that would have been so much better and then big words reacher kick it off we're in. Yeah, I agree. Why would you stretch that? Like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you don't have to waste five minutes of Reacher going in detail, just verbally saying what actually happened, <laughs> and yeah. wasting all that dialogue. But, but it's also him under like it. Reacher had to verbally say it because of internally his realization of one of a person he looked after was treated in this way i i totally like the father-son paradox yeah um so i i get it i i really just think that that whole sequence should have been the opening of the first episode yeah yeah that's that's i mean I, i i can't disagree um with that i mean i i think you're i think you're right uh you know again uh just the way that as i as i start as i noted at the beginning the way that this show is sort of you know details build on one another uh it, I, I guess it haven't reached verbalize you know when it got when to read an autopsy report about what happened to france and then seeing it i mean i guess was it extra maybe um would have been better as the opening scene i completely agree with you that i can't wait till you know with the big guy yeah that could have been yeah that maybe yeah maybe all the torture stuff you know maybe they didn't need to have all that at the beginning right right but to start from the uh start from the moment on the helicopter and and and, and then yeah you could just have the rest of it play out you know yeah because it's not as though they were keeping langston the big secret villain i mean we saw him a few times so i yeah it just was a really good one-liner to Mm -hmm. kick off the the show and kind of be like this is reacher he's badass yeah um he's like vin diesel in fast and furious we protect Mm -hmm. family family (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) let's just get this started somebody please do a fan fiction of fast and furious featuring reacher i just i think i think that would be great (laughs) that would be be great (laughs) that actually may get me to watch the fast and the furious (laughs) yeah i'm sure vin diesel would would put it in the contract alan can't beat the shit out of me but (laughs) (laughs) surprisingly their size differences won't matter because i don't know why like vin diesel was able to play off of the rock for so many years so whatever (laughs) oh my god um but yeah so so i think overall 
we're on board with Reacher season two. Yeah. Um, where I'm, I'm curious. I'm holding out hope that they're gonna throw some curveballs, like non-telegraph, and I, and I hope. My main hope is that when AM and Reacher finally come face to face, because I really don't give a shit about Langston. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, it's really a good, well-executed meeting encounter and just sequence because I think that will really define, at least for me, the season as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, because so far, AM, in as as little as we've seen as him, he's maneuvering in a very Reacher intellectual way. Um, and so I hope that when they meet, um, their first meeting lives up to expectation and there where we are able to see somewhat of a chess game continue. Yeah. Um, so, so we shall see. We shall, we shall. And we'll, yeah, we'll, I guess we'll learn more about what's going on with the other team member with Swan, because that was the, you know, that was the sort of big, big thing at the end of the third episode um where they they realized that huh swan and langston had to had the connection there so with working at new age so yeah like you know i, I as i said third episode really pulled everything together for me um and um yeah look, looking forward to continuing continuing on this um road with preacher yep yep and on that note will why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you Yes, you can find me on Twitter, also known as X at Will and Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. You can find me there, too, at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd Friendness on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and threads at Scene underscore N underscore Nerd. And visit our website, www.SceneAndNerdPodcast.com. But most importantly, rate, follow, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>